Welcome to Emmanuel Christian Church, the house of Judah, the house at the gate. Please join us as we'll be listening to Apostle Vincent Luan, the head pastor of the Emmanuel Christian Churches. Uh, can we bow our heads together as we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the reading of your word. For your word teaches us the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple. We thank you for your word, which is living and powerful, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide between the bone and the marrow, Father, between the soul and the spirit. And Father is the discerner of the intents of the heart. Even today, we pray for ourselves that we may hear what the Spirit is saying to us. I pray, Father, that, Lord, this word will build us, that this word will encourage us, that this word will move us forward. We thank you, Father, for all the good things you have done for us, that this morning we woke up. We have come to say thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. This is Emmanuel Christian Church the house of Judah. We are teaching on the subject, we say Genesis, and the subject of faith, we say faith more than enough. Faith more than enough. The book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2 says, by faith, by faith we understand that the elders obtain a good testimony. The elders obtain what? A good testimony. By faith, we understand that the elders obtained a good testimony. So if you are going to obtain a good testimony in this life, you have to have faith. The simple part is that everybody believes. The difference is what do you believe? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. There are a lot of people who live, but they don't believe in the promise of the word that God has given to us. And this is the encouragement I want to bring to you, that God has a promise for your life. In the book of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God is speaking there through the prophet, and he says, I have a good plan for you, a good plan not to harm you, but to prosper you, not to cause harm but to heal and to restore you. So we have to have an understanding that from the beginning, God had an intent to show the love of God. John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have an everlasting life. Verse 17, it says, But God did not send his Son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. So faith gives us the strength to stand. You cannot be a Christian and not believe in God or not believe the words that the Lord has spoken about our life. We are managed and controlled by the word that God speaks to us. Hallelujah. The Bible teaches us that the entrance of his word brings life. And understanding. Hallelujah. Your, your word is a light unto our path. Hallelujah. The book of Romans, we are talking about faith more than enough. When you have faith, you have all things that are necessary. We usually say the currency 
of the United Kingdom is called a pound. That is the currency of the United Kingdom. The currency of the United States of America is called dollar. Now, the currency of heaven, the spiritual currency of heaven is called faith. For the Bible says, without faith, verse 6 of the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. I used an example. I said, the seat you are sitting on, you didn't shake it to check if it's strong enough for you to sit. But I can tell you that other people have sat on similar chairs and have fallen down because the chair could not carry them. But the Bible says, by faith, the elders obtain a good testimony. So I want you to obtain a good testimony. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. All of us have got faith, have got a measure of faith. Romans 12, we are reading verse 3, says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has done what? Has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Have you played a card game before? You know, we play five cards. We play quite a number of cards games. For you to be able to play the card game, we have to, to give you a number of cards for you to be effective in the game. So here the word of God says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Everybody seated here, we have faith. Everybody seated here, our faith can grow. Everybody seated here, our faith can do great and tremendous things. I am in the United Kingdom not because I had the money to fly to the UK, no. When I was a youth, possibly 1920, I was at the university. I was with this young woman and the sister over there. And we had a visiting minister from the United States of America who was preaching. I can remember exactly how I was dressed. In our day, I had a navy blue uh, suit with a double-breasted double jacket. You remember? You can laugh. It's coming back. It's going to be in fashion very soon. Uh, whatever the Bible says, the more the things change, the more they stay the same. So I was dressed that way, looking very, uh, very serious. But I was a student. You get it? I was just a student. So I sat there, and this man came. When he finished, we went. I don't know if my wife remembers, but we went. I, I spoke to the gentleman. And the gentleman started to give a prophetic word. He says, I can see the Lord will send you to nations. And then he quoted United Nations, UK, he quoted Europe, he quoted United States of America, he quoted Asia, and so forth. And I said, wow, amazing. You get it? You are a student. You are what? A student. West of it, first year student. You know, there are second year, third year, fourth, and those that are doing postgrads. You know, God could have spoken to them, but the Lord spoke to me Amen. during that time. Now, when he said it, if you have grown in a village, Gloucester is a, is a city. You know, if you have grown in a village, you start to think, he's talking too much. You get it? He's too excited. So, 
But guess where I am? I have, I've preached in New York. I've preached in, in the United States. I've been into all these places. Hallelujah. And this is my encouragement to us that God has dealt each one a measure of faith. Amen. Do you believe it? Amen. You, you have to believe I have faith for things to change in my life. I have faith to become the person that God has always wanted me to be. I will become that person. Hallelujah. All of us have a measure of faith. We all have faith. We have to develop our faith. We all of us have a degree or an amount of faith to believe. When you grow up and you feel like you are in love with somebody, you go and propose them. You have faith. You develop faith that the person will like you back. You get it? Yeah. It, it takes faith. It takes faith. I was preaching in a marriage. I remember very well. Uh, this was my neighbor who grew up before me. She really looked at my life and decided I'm going to be a Christian. And when she got married, she invited me to be the preacher during the reception. So I was teaching on faith. And I said, we marry by faith. You see, you marry a person that can change. You marry a person that is undependable. And the many other things that people do. But you marry with the hope that the person will hold and the two of you will be able to sort out any difficulty or challenges. Hallelujah. So when I finished preaching, the MC, the master of ceremonies came and says, you know, he made a joke. He says, these preachers who always teach on faith, everything is about faith. And I said, listen, you can't stay with somebody for life without faith. They were going to offend you. You have to forgive them because you have faith that they will change. When they say, I'm sorry, they mean it. You get it? You you have to have faith that this person will grow with you, guide you. You know, there is a part that the church is fighting when we do the, the vows and we say, till death do us part. You know, in wealth, in poverty, in sickness, uh, in health and in sickness. Uh, yes, poverty. We say in, in wealth and in poverty, or in poverty and in abundance. Now, most people say, no, I don't want that in my vow. I say, you, you don't understand. Every blessing has a curse in it. I don't know, you get it. Every blessing has a curse. Your work contract has the good benefits and the bad benefits. That's why when you misbehave, they take you to DC, disciplinary uh, hearing, and they sit with you and they start to pull out the negative part that you don't like about your contract. That when you misbehave, you're going to be called as a fair process, you're going to be investigated, they're going to deal with the issue, and if nothing wrong is found, you continue. But if anything is found, there's going to be a recourse. Faith is the same. We have to believe to move forward. People are stagnant or they are stuck in life because they refuse to believe the report of the Lord. Everything in the kingdom of God is activated by faith. I said everything in the kingdom of God is activated by what? By faith. faith. I said to somebody, I can pick up a phone and uh, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive knock and the door will be open. I say, I can pick up a phone if I need a car. I can pick up a phone 
if I need a house. And immediately after the service, one of my kids came quickly and says, hey, we need a bigger house. Uh, can you phone somebody? <laughs> <laughs> I just laughed. I say, wow, you are listening. You are listening. Everything in the kingdom of God is activated by faith. Hallelujah. What can you believe God for? Can you ask your neighbor, what, what can you believe God for? Yeah. What is it that you are believing God for? You have to believe. So, somebody said Joseph was not supposed to tell his brothers about his dream. I say, uh, the Bible says Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Suffering, difficulty is part of Christianity. It's part of our faith. If we are going to grow in life, we are going to have obstacles. We are going to fight since we have faith against sickness and disease, the only way to see our faith work is when we become infected and we have hope that we will heal. Hallelujah. We do all that we have to make sure. The reason why we go to the medical doctor or to the clinic is because we have faith that we can defeat the sickness and the disease. We take medication because we have faith. But we believe the word of God is the medicine that we need. So the, we ask the question, what is it that you are believing God for? It will take faith. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to him, Mark 9, 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Can you say to your neighbor, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I have had quite a number of women and sisters who have been staying with their boyfriends for 10 years, 15 years before I met them. And I then asked them, don't you want to get married? Can you ask your brother or sister, don't you want to get married? You ask a question, let them answer you. You see, they, they've, been, they've been in this relationship, they've been in a relationship for some time. Some of them already have a child or two with the same person. And I said, don't you want to get married? He says, I do. I say, now why doesn't this gentleman marry you? He says, I don't know. I said, did you ask him? Did you do what? Did you ask him? Then I said, okay, it's fine. I do a house visit. I go to their house. I call them to my office and we sit down. And I ask the gentleman, uh, my brother, uh, I understand you and so and so have been together for this many years. He says, yes, of course. Have you enjoyed yourself? He says, yes, of course. I said, okay, if you have enjoyed yourself, I understand you have children. He says, yes. So I, say, I said to him, why don't you marry your wife? You know what's the answer most of the time? I don't know. <laughs> There's no reason why. And then I say, I, say, I say to the gentleman, can we arrange your marriage? He says, yes, then you will want to use money. I don't have money. And I say, we can buy without money. To marry, you don't need money. Where we come from, we pay what they call bride price. 
I mean, we pay a lot of things. You get it? We have to buy the ring, the dress, all of these things. But you have to take cows. You know cows? That's a lot of cows, eh? But because I like my son-in-law, I spoke to the uncle. I said, this is how we do it. So it was like, because you, you don't want to put a burden, but you don't want to upset everybody in the family that you are doing your things your own way. You get it? So when I said to the man, don't you want to get married? The man says, yes, I want to. I said, I'll help you. And within a month, they are married. And life moves on. And when, when you have faith, all things are possible. So I said to the woman, do you see yourself? Do you want this man to marry you or you are just sitting or staying in because you have no financial support? So you are holding on until the next break. You know, sometimes women can stay in a relationship until the next break. I hope that's not your situation. A few things I want us to talk about. Mark 9.23 says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who does what? Who believes. First thing, about I think it's about three points. Point number one, the key to God's uh, freedom or financial freedom or material freedom or material prosperity is every time you give, you have to have faith. Every time you give, you have to have faith. This is why we say more than enough. People believe I, I will do well. Working is good. But favor is better. Working, all of us should work. But I, I always challenge everybody and say, if you work for food, then it's a case. If you work for food. Most of us are working for food. And this is why we want to come out of, out of food. When you work for food, you think your work is the most important thing. You don't have time for leisure. You don't have time for your children. You don't have a time if you are married for your spouse. You know, you are just, you should, you should understand. I'm doing all of this because I have to live a life. But sometimes, because we work for bread, we don't, we don't have faith for breakthrough. That God will give me financial breakthrough. God will give me prosperity in my relationship with my children, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my neighbor, my relationship at work. I will flourish. Your success is hidden in other people. Most of the time, people are thinking, oh, I'm educated, I've gone to school, I can do this. Yes, you are educated, but you need somebody to move you forward. Somebody says, I'm praying to the Lord to be blessed. Chances are that if you are going to bless, to be blessed, God is going to use somebody sitting next to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Matthew chapter 19, verse 23. It says, with God, all things are possible. Amen. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is hard for what? To enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because he depends on his resource. He doesn't depend on God. He depends, he, he depends on what he has. And here we can see that money and resources have a tendency to want to rule our life. You know, most people are polite when they don't have much. 
But when we start to have, we change. We change. We do what? We change. So do not allow the things you have to possess you, but possess the things you have. Hallelujah. We, we have this thing that we teach on, 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 we say, when we teach on finance, we say, pay God and pay yourself. There are about five things that we teach. But the main issue is about paying yourself. To say, you have to have faith enough to pay yourself. Most people never pay themselves. They never do. They work all their life, and at the end, they don't have faith to believe God will bless them. Hallelujah. So you should make sure that your possessions don't rule you, but you rule your possessions. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 6. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, and Abel also brought the first fruit of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to him, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Praise the Lord. Listen, in life, there are people who are going to progress faster than you. In life, there are people who are going to excel and break through faster than you. Be happy. Here are two brothers. They, they, they come before the Lord. They are going to give an offering to the Lord. The other one gives without resolve, without thinking. By the way, we said faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to give God, uh, uh, to please God. Now, the mindset that most of us have is to say, I give what I do not like. You look at the relationship people have. They treat their friends better and they treat the stranger horribly. I've been treated very bad in most, in some instances. And uh, in certain times, I had to voice up and say, this I don't like. But the tendency, the nature to want to do things only for your friends. Jesus speaks about it. He says, he who gives to his friend, he hasn't done anything extraordinary than the one who gives to the poor. Because the poor will not pay you back. But if I invite you for dinner or for an outing to go and have something to eat together, there is a 99.9%, if not 101%, that you're going to invite me back. You get it? We do things for what we can get ourselves. If we perceive we will not get anything, there is nothing good that we will do. And because of that, our faith will fail. Faith goes far beyond just the ordinary what you know. So you might come to a place when you look at kind. He, he had this grace. He thought about it. I'm going to give. His brother follows him. Does exactly the same. But the attitude is different. The brother takes what is good and what is best. 
I've asked people many times, we do what we call mission, mission, missionary offering. And we'll say to the whole congregation, can you please give us some of your good clothes? Some of your what? Your good clothes. Listen, people go into their whole drope and take all the clothes they don't like. Literally, they're saying, thanks for cleaning out for us. You get it? They bring things they will not be willing to give to any person. That is not faith. That is not faith. You have not started. If you have faith, you will give what is best. What you are putting on today. Probably. You will look at it and say, I'm giving what is best. And what is best is what you still cherish and hold dear. Literally, you can take your 10 most favorite clothes. So your 10, your 5 most favorite clothes. And you pick from those to say, what am I going to give? I'm giving not only to men, but I want to give to God. I want this person who's going to receive my gift to smile when they get my gift. You get it? I want them to, don't forget, you are an answer to somebody's prayer. Can you tell your neighbor, you are an answer to somebody's prayer. If you find somebody outside, wet, cold, and they are broke, they don't have anything, and you get into the, the cafe, you get a soup, nice hot soup with a bun, take him in and say, give him a raincoat, my brother, sister, here's something to eat. You have done much more than just to look at the person and say, useless, uh, and then start to add your own imagination. You know, most people have imagination when they are, their stomach is full. They look at the poor and say, lazy, doesn't want to work. Until you sit down with the person, then you realize this is a serious issue. I don't know you understand. Don't allow your current status to block you to step out in faith and help. So what we see here, kind is giving to the Lord, but that which is giving, he's got an attitude of indifference. It's something we had a, a young woman in our church. We asked her, please, can you take an offering for us? She came with a loaf of bread. And then she started cutting pieces of bread, sliced the bread until we finished. And he said, as she was talking, she was talking about our accounts, our house, our mortgage, our water, our electricity, until the whole loaf was finished. And whatever crumbs that were left, he says, this is what we want to come and give to God. We have spent all that we have. That's, that's the attitude that kind have. But when you look at his brother Abel, the Bible says he brought the firstborn of his flock and of their faith. And the Lord says to his brother, uh, sin is at the door. Sin is where? At the door. Sin is at the door. He says, if you want, you will win. You can be victorious over it. His continents fell. So my, my challenge to you is, check your attitude. Check your attitude in giving. The barometer of your love is, is in relation to your generosity that you give to others. You cannot love without giving, but you can give without love. Most people want to receive all the best from everybody else.
but they will not give their best. We have, I don't know here, but where I come from, when somebody gets married, we have a list of gifts, a long list, microwave, stove, washing machine, dishwasher, whatever, bed, you know, already they have an idea of what their house should look like with the furnishings. So they will write those things. So when we go to the wedding, we buy the gift. There's a specific shop we go. So when we arrive at the shop, we give them the number. They will tell us which gifts have already been bought so that we don't buy the same gift. You get it? So we, there are others. They will not give gifts, but they want to receive gifts when it is their turn. We had such a young woman many years ago. And we spoke to the young woman when, uh, by the grace of God, I heard that our sister Leah gave birth to a, a, a very healthy child. Hallelujah. Amen. We give thanks to the Lord. Now, it is upon you to give a gift. It's good. You can go and buy a vest, some socks and things like that. But sometimes it's better you wouldn't know her immediate need. So sometimes it's better to give her cash to say whatever is missing, top it up. You get it? Amen. Or you do both. But this young woman, every time there was something, people started to realize she will not come with anything. And so we called her aside to say, listen, be a happy person. Be generous. Have faith. And guess what? Uh, she got married, she had a child. And uh, when her turn came, women have this thing they call baby shower. When her turn came to get a baby shower, my wife organized it. But most women were not happy. They said, this one does, is not generous. You get it? It's not what? The Bible says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It says, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So, the level of your generosity determines the response of the returns that come back to you. So, the young woman, she was so taken over that she knew, I don't deserve to receive. And she was saying, no, it's, it's fine if they don't want to give and uh, Pastor Kay said to them, listen, we're going to give this young woman, she's naive. And sometimes it's out of bitterness. I've seen people in church, when they give money, they say, oh, we're giving to the pastor. Is it true? It's not true. I've seen people in the families, when family contributes, either there is a funeral, there is a wedding, people will not contribute until it is their turn. Maybe here you don't have funerals where you have to contribute. Where we come from, we have funerals where we have to contribute. And when it is your turn, nobody will be gathering people to say, hey, by the way, our brother needs help. But when it is them, they will even organize a, a committee to phone. To believe in, they will even have a list of names to say, phone these people to help us. And this is my challenge to you. When you look at, at Abel, the attitude that Abel carried, it's an attitude of honor. You see, when we give, it shows the honor we have towards somebody else. In the book of Esther chapter 6, the king, Hauserus, 
The Bible says could not sleep. He had no sleep. And since he did not have sleep, he asked, he says, can you please give me the history, the records, read for me to sleep, like children's stories when we read for them. So they started to read, and part of the readings, it was that he was saved from assassination by a man called Mordecai. So the king asked, what good has been done for Mordecai who has saved my life? Mordecai was generous. He put his life in line because he could be the one killed. He could be the one being sought after and dealt with thoroughly. But Mordecai decided to go and say to the king and those that were in power, please be aware that these doorkeepers, security officials, who are intending to deal and kill the king. When, when the king asked, they said nothing has been done for him. Nothing has been done for him. Nothing has been done. This past week, on Thursday, when we had our small group, our cell meeting, when we finished, I said to every person, write a text message that is pleasant to somebody who has helped you. We're not talking about people who gave you big money. There are certain things, if we don't do, you will not be where you are today. Your aunt that you hate, had your hand not picked you up when your parents gave up on you, you will not be where you are today. You get it? Yeah, but your aunt might have been just 30 days a year in your life. And from there, because of the struggle your aunt had, you took it personal that they hated you. But in reality, it was not so. Maybe you were raised in a home and you were very bitter. Be grateful. Somebody took care of you during that time. Was it easy? No, it was not. All of us will have... But sometimes it's a matter of just thinking about those people and saying, thank you for your contribution in my life. Am I talking to somebody? So you must have faith. So the king asked, what honor has been given to Mordecai the Jew? Usually the people that are doing well are the ones that get attacked. So, oh, you, you don't care as much. You don't care as much. Mordecai the king says, what honor? Then there was a man called, uh, what was his name? Naaman. Haman. Haman came into the door. He was the prime minister to the king. He came through the door, and the king said, oh, who's, who's in? They say, Haman, your, your, your prime minister is here. He says, call him in. And he said to him, what good will your advice to be done for the man who desires to honor the king? Yeah, the king desires to honor. And the only thing that he was thinking, it was himself. You see, most of us love honoring ourselves. So the only thing that filled his mind was, who will the king desire to honor except me? Though, then he started, he says, the king says, what, what should be done for the man that the king desires to honor? I mean, if you look at the honor that he pushes, it's amazing. He says, let him be made to dress on the royal gown. Think about the queen dressed up. It's a splendor. 
with the crown and everything. The person says, let the man or the woman be dressed like the king. Let him put on the last clothes that the king put on during the major ceremony in the nation. He says, let him have the horse that the king rides on with the crest. You know there is a crest. The crest is more like the signet ring that we have when we do letters and whatever. We put the signet ring there. It appears on your letter. There are certain letters that come. The stamp, the signet ring has been punched on your letter. You can't remove it. It's not ink. But you can feel it with your hands that something has been done. If you look at your passport and so forth, you'll, you'll, you'll find those prints that the government puts on, on your letters. So he says, let all of these things be done so that the man will be received. And then let somebody parade the person to Gloucester. Uh, what is the most precious space in Gloucester? If you are there, you, you have arrived. You know, maybe the cross. Huh? Yeah, the, your most important place where everybody will know. If you are there, maybe Gloucester Park. Huh? The cathedral. Yes, let, let the person be paraded there. So you think about all of this. He was thinking of himself. And the king says, all the things that you thought about is good. But go and do to your brother. A mother guy. They were fighting. They were doing what? You can go and read the story. They were eternal enemies. You know when we say eternal enemies? We and Satan are eternal enemies. We'll never be friends with Satan. We'll never agree with Satan. We'll never practice the practice of Satan. We, we and Satan have no connection whatsoever because the Bible tells us that Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we will not take it easy if Satan comes our way because we understand that he doesn't come. The Bible says he comes like a, a wolf in sheepskin. When Satan comes, he, he has brushed his teeth. You know, the, the dripping of blood that they show us in the Harry Potter and whatever, it's not there. It's very clean. Very clean. When you look at it, oh, nice. But that's not the case. So, my issue here is the level of honor that we give. Abel gave honor because he understood, I'm saving God. I'm saving God. I'm, I'm doing this that the Lord will come true for our life. Hallelujah. So, my issue here was check your attitude. Check your attitude. When you talk about somebody, check your attitude. Are you, are you lifting them up? Or are you pulling them down? There is a thing we call chipping. You reduce a person by speaking negatively about them. Somebody said, if I can't have you, nobody will. You get it? So I will destroy everything. Your reputation, your name, your person. I will really reduce you. Somebody was leaving a church. He says, uh, he was saying to, to the bishop. He said to the bishop, uh, I will run you out of town. I will run you out of town. I'm going to destroy your life. I'm going to write everything about you in the media. And the bishop says, go on. This community knows my contribution. You can say, we can't stop you to write what you want to write. But you will not win. 
bitterness will make you not to give generously. Amen. Yes. Bitterness will make you to lose great space in life to be in the company of great people. So I want to challenge you that in our giving, as we give, we should have that understanding. We give because we love God. We give because we love ourselves. For this church to continue, it continues out of the love of all the patrons. All of us seated here, we are making it to continue. But in our failure to care for it, we are busy doing exactly the same. We will be failing to care for ourselves. About to somebody. So we give because we understand that we love the Lord and we want everybody to love the Lord. You must rule your heart. You must have rule over your heart. You must act in faith, give in faith, otherwise sin lies at the door. Give by faith, believe the scriptures. What drives your giving should be your love for the Lord. We always talk about four things when we give. We say one, we give because we love God. Number two, we give because we love the work that is happening. In other words, we want, we give because we understand the work must continue. Number three, we give, I call it the selfish motive. We give because God has promised is going to bless us. Number four, we give because we love our community. If we have the time, we'll teach on these four principles. The church profits the community that is in it. When the church works, the community becomes better. Recently we have had serious stabbings where children kill each other, knifing each other. These are people who call themselves friends. They go to school together, they go to parties together, they do things together, but their indifference, the amount, I mean, they were showing the, the size. It's not a knife. They call it a knife here. It's a panga. It's a machete. It's huge. You know, a knife is, is manageable. Where will you put that big thing? But you can see that somebody has gone out and when they were interviewing the police, they say some of the young children, they are so afraid that I better be arrested with a knife in my pocket than to go without it. So my challenge to us, our love for one another should surpass all that we do. So we give because we love our community. The church is here for the community at large. Hallelujah. So you must rule your heart. Genesis 4, 7, it says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and it desires you. So you have to understand that every time we fail to do the right thing, sin lies at the door. This young woman that I gave an example that she, when we ask her, please come and take an offering for us. She brought the loaf of bread and to prove to us how we spend our money and all of that and that God is the last in our life. Then she made this statement. It says, if you want to see your commitment to the well-being of the church, look at your lunch, your stomach. If you were to buy food, how much do you spend for yourself? I don't know when last you ate out, but we always eat out here. We always do what? Eat out. Yeah. I've seen people eating out even yesterday. Eating out it doesn't mean going to the restaurant. You just order pizza in. You're not the one cooking. You get it? So the attitude that we give to every person is that your attitude tells us a lot. Your stomach is much bigger 
than the community that you have. I will not support the work because I don't believe in what is going on. So my challenge to us, as we give thanks to God's faithfulness, we have to be generous. Number two, lack of faith and unbelief have rendered us poor. Lack of faith and unbelief have rendered us poor. The love for other things, the love for money makes one poor. People are busy with everything else except the most important things in their life. This is why I say the greatest enemy is to love yourself above others. It's your enemy. The love for other things. When you read the story about the sower, we have a farm here. The sower went out to sow. The Bible talks about four places where the seed fell. One, the seed fell by the roadside. The Bible says the birds of the air, they came and they swallowed it. They ate the, 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 the seed. So there was no return. Most of us are in that state where we sow by the, by the wayside. Number two, the Bible says some of the seed fell by the rocky place. The seed fell on the rocky place. There was a little bit of soil. It germinated, it sprang up, it came, but because it could not go deeper with its roots, when the sun came out, it was scorched and it died. Some of us, that's the attitude that we have. We, we give in all other things that are going to choke us. Number three, the Bible tells us that some fell by the bushy place. When, when the seed fell by the bushy place, the Bible says it grew. But because it was in the midst of bushy, of bushes, guess what happened? It didn't have the strength to sap as much as it needed because the wild plants have the strength to do so. So it never, it grew, but there was never fruit in it. The last one, the Bible says it fell on the good ground and it produced some 30, some 60, some hundredfold. All of us in life, we are supposed to produce fruit. Some 30, some 60, some hundredfold. I always say to those who are in business and in investments, it's very rare. In a sense, immediately you hear somebody said, my returns is 30%. You should be afraid. That is a fly-by-night scheme. But God is promising us, I will make your returns to be great. Hallelujah. So, the Bible says there is one that gives generously, yet lacks nothing. I've been asked many a times, and sometimes it's people as well who are offended for one reason or the other. The first question they ask, whose money is he using when he comes to the UK? Listen, the UK church has never paid for me, even a single ticket, not once. Not once. It's us who have given the UK church money than the UK church to give us money. I'm not preaching this because I'm interested in robbing you or anything. Because the mind, when you teach about Offering and generosity, that's all that the people are thinking about. This is, this is it. This is the key to our prosperity. Our poverty comes because we lack generosity. I have testimony after testimony I can give. I was called, will you mind to have the house? I said, no, I wouldn't mind. No, I wouldn't. The, the size of a room is 4.5 meters by 5 meters, one room. And all the rooms are in suits. It's more like a bachelor, every room. So how did it happen? Did, was I sitting there? Did I go and solicit? No. 
I've been in situations where people say, I'll pay for your ticket wherever you go. They will say, we want you to fly business class. I say, it's not my money. I can't fly business class. It's their money. It's them who are buying. They say, give us your name, your passport, everything we will order. My, my secretary in the office will order, will, will buy the ticket for you. I say, no, I wouldn't allow it. But my issue here is your level of generosity. The Bible says there is one who gives but lacks nothing. And there is one who doesn't give. He holds unjustly and he lacks. Part of your lack is part of your lack of generosity. Part of generosity is the ability to forgive. The ability to extend yourself. The ability to believe in others even when other people have written them off. One of the greatest accusations I have with our pastors and leaders is that I'm too forgiving. They say, oh, you are too forgiving. I say, I, I've been forgiving myself. You give people second chance. I say, I've been given second chance so many times. I would not be here if somebody didn't believe in me. No, I wouldn't be here. There are people I'm standing on their shoulder. You wouldn't see them. But had it not been for their generosity, this man will not be standing here. So the key to our breakthrough is to understand that the one who gives generously will never lack anything. Your time is a key to where you are going to be. You have to learn to give your time. Proverbs eleven twenty four. it says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. That's why we take loan. None of us has the right to, to take a loan, if you are working. Loan for what? There are things maybe you might look at and say, I need a mortgage. The house is 300,000 pounds. I will need the money. Fine, we can take the mortgage if you, if you say so. But most of us don't need to take these small, small loans. They are, they are not going to help us. They are just going to make us slaves. They are just going to make us unhappy. Am I telling somebody? Because the, the reality is that I will have more. But in reality, you will have less. The Bible says the borrower is a slave to the lender. Yes. Faith says, give and it shall be given to you. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be brought back to you. We know your faith by the level of your generosity. We know your faith. We know that you are growing spiritually by the level of your generosity. At home, you used to fight for everything with your husband, with your children. When you become generous, you grow your heart to understand where the other people are. So that you are able to live at peace with your children. You are able to live at peace with everybody else. But when you don't understand, when you are not generous, you are going to fight first. There are certain people, they fight first and then try to find peace. There's not supposed to be any war in the world today. There's not supposed to be any war. The war is a war of resource. There are other people who say we are going to start a war because we want this from the other nation or from the other people. There's no need. If we talk, we should find an answer and a solution. Lastly, seed time and harvest. The power of faith is released in seed time in sowing. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22 says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, Day and night shall not cease. First Corinthians 15, verse 36, it says, Foolish one, what you saw is not made alive unless it dies. There's every time sacrifice. 
I went with the children to the movies on Friday. We just picked uh, the Terminator. And I was worried. I've not seen the movie before. You know, movies are very violent. And uh, we sat there, watched the movie and finished. And I asked them, what did you learn? There's a lot of things they told me they learned. One is that every, in every film, there is both the villain and the good guy. There is somebody who wants to take everybody out. Every time I see that, I say, Satan and his demons are out to get us. Once in a while, there is somebody who's trying to do good, but everybody's fighting against the one who's trying to do good. And so I was saying to the children, I want you to look at the movie from that point, that you can do good in the midst of chaos and difficulty. Seed time tells you there's going to be a harvest time. The good I do to others they will do good to me. Somebody will say, what about your family? You have left your wife, your children, and whatever, and you are gallivanting the world. I said, listen, I'm sowing the seeds of eternal life. One day, all of us are going to pass. If you are, if you are going to live, if you add 50 years into your life now, you can add 50 on your age. Chances are that in 50 years from now, possibly 60 to 80% of people seated here won't be here. You are more eternal than physical. Yeah. You are more eternal than physical. We only live very few years. Very few years. Hundred people live hundred years now. One o five. One fifteen. I had a grandmother, the sister to my grandmother. She was very senior. She died after over hundred years. Very old, but still walking. Able to see. Say wow. But nobody lives forever. There is eternity. Hallelujah. So we work for eternity. We have to sow good things so that we reap good things in life. You have to sow. We give because we are doing this for ourselves. We are not doing it for any other person, even though other people will benefit. John 12, 24, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. It remains what? Alone. It's very funny that even when you greet sometimes, people don't respond. It's sad. Good morning. It's like you are alone. You are talking to yourself. We were taught by the English to say what? Good morning. Not morning. Good morning. It's a, it's a prophetic word. It's continuous. Good morning. Have a good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Are you fine? Did you sleep well last night? Yes, I did. Oh, that's good. Oh, sometimes, oh, I didn't have a sleep. Then you are able to give advice if there is any. Praise the Lord. You must be a person who sows good things in the lives of others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Proverbs 6 verse 6 it says, go to the end, you sluggard, consider a ways and be wise. What is the end known of? The end is known for its wisdom to work for the future. When you see an end, you should know it's working for the future. It has already secured what it needs. It's working for the future. Proverbs 34, verse 10. The young lion's lack. You know, what is a lion? You don't have lions here. The lions that are in the UK are coming from the continent of Africa or from India, even the elephants. 
you ate all of your animals. It's true. You ate all of them. It's just now that there is serious uh, reservations. They are bringing some animals back to try and repopulate. But the Bible says the young lions lack. The young lions. Do you know lions? People are thinking lions are like dogs. You must come and see a live, a, a live lion. It's, it's this big. It's huge. Oh, people are thinking when they say David killed the lion, they are thinking it was like a puppy in the house. <laughs> it's massive. I can take you to, we have a lion park in Jobek, but I can take you really in nature to Kruger National Park. You will see how big these things are. They are huge, very big. But the Bible says they lack. The lions lack. When you look at certain people, they look powerful. But here, the people lack. It says they lack and hunger. But those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Will not lack any good thing. The plan of God from the beginning, why Christ came and died for us, is because God wants us not to lack any good thing. And that's why I said, learn to spend time with family. Learn to spend time with people you cherish and love. As a pastor for so many years, I've seen people cry, not because they've lost their mom. They cry because they lack the time to spend time with them. They didn't make time. Somebody was crying. You know, when I buried my dad, I spent the whole day with him. The whole day. It was like he knew he was passing on. I, I managed his estate, so he called me, son, come, draw so much money. I went, and we drove. I went to my uncles, everywhere. He was settling accounts and whatever, and we came back. In the evening, we had dinner, and in the morning, I was called, your father is no more. My mother passed away. I was far away. I was in California. I landed in California. They called me back, your mother is no more. I had to fly back. But you see, I had a very divine relationship with my mother. We had a very powerful relationship between ourselves. I cared and she cared. And that is what is important. I always say to people, you will never know the grace of God until you have cared for people that, you know, have been close to your heart. Today, when there is a funeral, only few people cry. Really, only few people have lost. Most of us are just coming to say, go, thanks for going. One more chair free. <laughs> we will enjoy ourselves. You are a nuisance, hard, hard, difficult person. Yes. The only part that people want is that. What, how many chairs did he have? Can we share? We should care more. God, out of his own love, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, Shall not perish, but have an everlasting life. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning. We are grateful for the time of our life to be in your presence. How awesome is this place. We did not know that this is the gate of heaven. We worship you, Father. We lift up your name. For the Lord dwells with his people. We thank you, Father, that your name is Emmanuel. God, who is with us, we thank you, Father, that you died for us, that we may have life and have it abundantly. We thank you, Father, for your ways, for you did not send your son, your son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We thank you, Father, this morning for your salvation in the name of Jesus.